Welcome to the Comic Trope. We're in a small room, and just as we begin to record our famous podcast, the lights go out. And everywhere around us, little yellow orbs start to pop up. There are animals peering at us from the darkness with their evil yellow eyes. And then suddenly, the lights come back on. There were not animals' eyes at all, but in fact, just a bunch of lemons that Blake had suspended by yarn from the top of the ceiling. Gotcha! On today's episode, we're going to talk a little bit about and dive into uh, Gatham by Gaslight. Gatham. Gatham by Gaslight. We're going to talk about Gatham by Gaslight. Gatham by Gaslight. Park your car. Listen, don't you want to read Gatham by Gaslight? It was written by Brian Augustin with art by Mike Mignola. It was released in 1989 on DC's Elseworlds imprint, and I believe it was the very first Elseworlds book. We're going to get into a little bit of that, what we thought about it, and uh, potentially help you decide whether you or should or should not read it. Uh, we're going to talk about news about Inhumans. We're going to talk a little bit about the new uh, Deadpool director, how we feel about that. Dark Crystal's going to probably come up. Uh, there's a lot of really interesting news that's come out the past week. We hope that you enjoyed your Thanksgiving. A reminder to you, if you're listening to this for the first time, that The Comic Trope is a comic book podcast in which hashtag Smiling Dave and myself, Blake, will talk about comic books, and uh, I don't know much about it, so I invite friends like Sequoia, Dave, sometimes Amos, sometimes Kate, and we just talk about comics. No big whoop. Let's do an icebreaker, because we don't know each other well enough. So here's my icebreaker, guys. If you had to rely on one villain for a favor, which villain would you pick? And because asking for favors is so broad, I'm going to narrow it down to three favors. So here's the first favor. Watch my dogs for the weekend, please. What villain would you choose for that, Sequoia? You know, uh, I'm going to go with Mephisto. (laughs) What? (laughs) How? Are you just looking for chaos to ensue? (laughs) You know, I was, uh, I, I would rack my brain. I can't think of any villains who have like wild animals as like their sidekicks, other than Harley and the Joker, and mm-hmm. I just would not trust them. Mm-hmm. Okay, Harley. I take it back. Harley Quinn. Harley's a good choice. Yes. I was about to say. She I could think take Harley. Care of my dogs. She would. She would probably stab you, or if you looked at her boobs, she would castrate you. Yeah. But yeah, good choice. Harley. You know, you know who you wouldn't want to watch your dogs. Craven the Hunter? Well, potentially, yes. I was going to say Catwoman because yep. she only gives a shit about cats. <laughs> True. <laughs> she, in her name. My answer for that question would be the Vulture. He's just a kindly old man, and he only robs banks and commits crimes because he needs to pay for something for his granddaughter, mm-hmm. depending upon which uh, origin story you're reading. It's normally surgery or you know college or something like that. But he's in it for the fam, and I feel like being a gentle old man that he is in between bank heists my homie would feed the dogs pretty well. I think those are both very good answers. I was going to go with Harley. The vulture is accepted. <laughs> Moving on. Hey, Mr. Villain, will you drive my car to the dealership for a checkup? I'm not able to. It's a tough one. It's a tough one. So I think because it's a tough one, you might want to make it a toss-up and then just go two-face. Because half the time... <laughs> he'd be willing to do it. He'd be cool with it. The other half, he's going to drive around, do coke, and like you know, have sex with a hooker in your car. Is that what he's into? I'm just making that shit up. I've never read a Two-Face comic. I just assume that he does drugs. He's a gangster, right? Uh, He's not your typical gangster. I mean... He's not your two-bit, flat-foot... Yeah. (laughs) Gangster type. Yeah. 
he's he's more about the chaos. Yeah. So. Ooh, so he'll just destroy your car. Yeah, he might on fire. Or or he take a dealership. Yeah. Take a dealership. So yeah. it's, it's a, you know it's a you know fifty percent chance. We can write it off if there he destroys you it. You know, know you know who I'd get for this job. I'd get Cardiac because that motherfucker needs a job. And if you paid him, <laughs> if you gave Cardiac eleven dollars, I'm sure he'd be absolutely willing to take your car down to the dealership. I'm gonna go with Fool Killer. <laughs> Who just had a new um, comic come out yes. like two weeks ago? But but you know, full killers thing. Because often when I drive, I'm amazed by how many idiots there are on the road. So I feel like full killer when he's driving my car, he'll be amazed by how many idiots on the road are, are on the road. But he'll shoot them. <laughs> <laughs> Great. So not only do you want your car fixed, you also want. Innocent people to be killed. I guess they're not innocent if they're <laughs> shitty drivers. I can, only, yeah. I can only imagine that. Uh, what's the What's the song by uh, Al, or Offspring? Somebody once the told wrong. me that. <laughs> that's Smash Mouth. It's off the album Smash, and I can't remember the exact name of it. Is oh my god. Oh, that's right. <laughs> you got me. I'll put it in right here. see some things I'd feel like I'm God, you stupid, dumb shit, goddamn motherfucker! The third favor is, hey, would you pick me up some food? Hmm. Hmm. That is tough. Uh, Green Goblin. What? Because there's a, <laughs> there's a pretty, you know, there's an okay human under there somewhere. And plus, that thing is fast. He could pick the shit up out of that food and have it to you lickety split. You know, he would throw it to you like a pumpkin bomb. He just opened the window up and just toss know, it right in there. You know who would be able to choose good food, but you couldn't trust the blob. Mm. Eat it on the way there. I got a question. I would be asking myself, how did I form these friendships? Look, man, you don't got a with, shitty friend that you're still friends with. Kingpin. Well, no, it's true. I, I do believe that everyone you need to have like. You have to have a scumbag friend, at least one. Yep. I'm not saying who mine is, but um, I won't mention mine either. But yes, <laughs> <laughs> little do you know that it's each other. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, that's fucking Sequoia. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe like I went to high school with this dude, and like, yeah, you know, yeah, we're still tight. <laughs> Kingpin, he'd be good Kingpin. for him. Yeah, yeah he, Kingpin. He knows good restaurants. He does. He's connected. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you were friends with Kingpin, shit would be all right. But see, that's the thing. I don't want to owe him. I don't want to owe him. Now that I've bought you this food. Yeah. Like, bro, I'm not killing anybody <laughs> I just wanted. You. I just wanted some steak frites, man. I, <laughs> I'll give you the money. I'm good for it. I'll even put a little extra on top for you. Yeah, for gas. <laughs> Remember that time I brought you pizza? Yeah. <laughs> Shoot this person in the face. Like, what the fuck, Kingpin? There wasn't even pepperoni on the motherfucker. <laughs> totally uneven. This is not an equal trade. All right, guys. So let's talk about a Batman comic book that we read. Gotham by Gaslight. Authored by Brian Augustine. And drawn by Mike Mignola. And this is pre-Hellboy. Yeah. This is 19... Is this late 80s? Early 90s? Early 90s. Yeah. Um, this was probably after he had... He had uh, I think around this time... 89. Yeah, he, oh, was it? 89. He was uh, doing stuff for Marvel. I think he was doing either X-Factor. I think he was doing X-Factor. Yeah, I think so. At the time. Yeah. 
I was pleasantly surprised with this book. So here is the summary. Uh, this is Bruce Wayne, Batman, back in like 1888, right? Mm -hmm. um, this is the same time as the Jack the Ripper uh, murders. Yes. And the story is, is that Jack the Ripper leaves London. London. Jolly old London. Goes to Gotham. Gotham. Jolly old Gotham. And, uh... No, dreary old Gotham. Dreary, dreary old Gotham. Dreary Gotham. Uh, it's like the English accent where you have marbles in your mouth. You know? Dreary Gotham. Horror, horror, horror. Horror. Where's Amos when you eat him? Uh, and... This takes place in, in the timeline of... Bruce Wayne when he's on his sabbatical before he comes back and becomes the Batman. So Batman has not existed. Bruce Wayne has been on his sabbatical meeting with uh, famous people in Europe and then comes back to be rich and be Batman and then gets framed for being Jack the Ripper, basically. And spoiler, it's 1989, so if you haven't read it, you know. I think the statute of limitations has long since passed yeah. on spoilers yeah. for this. But basically it ends up being his uncle, Jack. <laughs> right? Or what's his name? Jake. But hey, good news. Uh, everything turns out alright at the end. Well, I guess the one thing to point out about this story is that this was the beginning of the whole DC Elseworlds imprint. Is this uh, the original? That This is the original. I, I can't I, remember if it had the logo or not, but this is technically the start of it i couldn't remember if it was this if this was kind of the starting point uh, i remember reading in the 90s the batman superman elseworlds book mm -hmm. like where they're the team or whatever and they they look radically different from how they look in the the regular continuity mm -hmm. that's that's what I, those are the first that i remember reading yeah i want to say it starts with this because i remember there was uh what was it? Gotham by Gaslight. There was Master of the Future. Batman versus Dracula. Yeah. And Batman Holy Terror. And it was really everyone kind of playing with a more like like literally gothic interpretation of Batman. Right. Sent him in the Victorian era. A lot of people like playing around with steampunk Batman. And the thing is, if you look over the entire course of all the... DC Elseworld stories, the majority of them are Batman stories. For right. some weird reason, you can put Batman in any damn time period or setting, and it still sort of works. Whereas, if you try to do an Elseworld story with, say, Superman or Wonder Woman, it doesn't quite work. Right. You know, you really have to alter them a great deal. Because but. they're kind of aliens. So I, mean, I know Wonder Woman is an alien, <clears throat> but she's basically an alien for all... You know, super strong woman from an island that doesn't exist. Batman is just some rich dude who decides to go vigilante. I mean, you could put that anywhere. And Batman, I mean, Batman is is part of the oldest archetype. I mean, going all the way back to the Scarlet Pimpernel, you know, um, just or Zorro. Well, Zorro's not that old, but you know, just it, it's it's something pretty pure and simple that we've had in genre fiction or popular fiction for centuries. Um, Superman is a bit more, I don't know, uh, a bit more contemporary. But, uh, you know, I remember reading this back in the early to mid-90s. And it was kind of a hard book to get a get a hold of. Um, I think the only reason we were able to read it now is because it had been out of print for so long. 
you know, this originally came out as um, a prestige uh, format one shot, you know, like the little square bound book, mm-hmm. it was like 118 pages. And uh, it was out of print. And recently, DC's been going back through their back catalogs of Elseworld stories, particularly the Batman ones. And reprinting them. So it's, it's been nice to see a lot of this stuff. I remember reading as a teenager, you know, coming back. Stuff that's long forgotten. And uh, I remember reading this originally and loving the hell out of it. But uh, I didn't like it so much this time. I thought that the art set the tone of a Batman comic book very well. I loved how textured everything was. And usually with old comics, by old I mean I guess I mean eighties, early nineties comics, the paneling um, usually confuses me mm-hmm. because the paneling was kind of wild. Um, and for this, I really like the newspaper shred stories over the panels. Kind of you see what Batman is doing and the story that goes along with it. And, man, the texture, the penciling in it is just so rad. Like, it's just deep and dark and very Batman. I mean, it's the whole thing looked Batman. So Batman, much Wayne. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I can't knock it because, like I said, it it is early Mignola, but it's, you know, it's not the Mignola style that I think most you know, most of his fans would be used to because it's not as heavy and thick on the inks. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is back when he was doing more commercial work yeah. for like both Marvel and DC. It's not nearly as over-exaggerated and pronounced as a lot of the characters that you'll see drawn throughout, you know, Hellboy, for instance, just as probably the most, you know, if you're going to say Mignola, you know, that's probably what most people's thoughts will run to. And you're right. Heavy inks, dark lines, um, the texture thing is something that certainly carries over from this to that. Right? Yeah. Because he's always been really good to, to show you, like, if something's pockmarked or it's cracked or, or ragged, he's going to let you know. That's something that Mignola's really good about. But, yeah, I mean, if you look at people's faces, they have normal, like, what you would expect to draw if you're fresh out of art school. Like, classical, you know, built faces. They're not nearly as much a caricature of reality as what you see in The Amazing Screw-On Head or... Um, you know, Hellboy or, or something or something along those lines. So, yeah. and I think that for me, the art was definitely the best part of this book. Um, but it was a real easy one shot to read, and I should have seen the reveal coming that it was going to be his uncle, and then his uncle was the reason that his dad is dead, and I didn't see any of that coming, man, and I don't know why. Well, they try to fake you out by introducing you to various characters at the beginning. And, you know, the funny thing when I was reading it, you know, I, I've read a little bit about the Ripper murders, but for some reason I could not get the damn movie from hell <laughs> out of my head when I was reading this. Um, now, had the graphic novel already been published for, for From Hell by the time this was published? Because yes, yes. that was Alan Moore. And, well, and, and they were doing that in... Um, that was a uh, uh, that was ser- they were doing that in a serialized format. So I think right. about eighty nine. It may have not been completed, but it was contemporary to this. But yeah, but you know, majority of it was out by this point. Yeah. So you know, and this is before the movie and such. But yeah. 
Um, the thing I was going to comment, you know, you were talking about Mignola's pencils and the use of texture. I really like the use of color and lighting in this book. Um, majority of it seems to take place at, uh, at night. So, you That's know, very Batman. Yeah, Batman, very Batman. Jack the Ripper and what have you. Yes. Uh, but I like the use of blues and golds in this, uh, in the sepia tone. Uh, I really enjoyed that. Um, it it really did kind of help, you know, put me in the mindset of something that was taking place in the uh, previous, previous century. <laughs> the, I guess it was 19th. And um, I can't remember who do you, who colored this because I'm, I'm trying to figure out, is it somebody who's worked with me before? P. Craig Russell is the inker. Oh, OK. I don't know anything about him. P. Craig Russell. I can't. P. Craig Russell is really hard hard to describe like I mean he has if you ever get a chance like look up some of his artwork like he's really well known for doing uh Doctor Strange work okay um uh Elric for Dark Horse Comics he's done um looks like a lot of Kill Raven yeah Kill Raven uh what was it uh, Farfer Farfid and the Grey Mouser mm-hmm. yeah he did that graphic novel for DC Comics um doesn't do a lot of interior stuff, mostly covers, but just really lovely, like, flourish to his work. Almost like an Alphonse Mucha type quality to it. Yeah, he's not as well known for his inking, more so for his penciling, but that's a good guy to have as your inker. But who'd you say? Uh, did David Horning. Yeah, see, and that's not one of Mignola's. I don't think he's regularly worked with him. Known for Sandman Mystery Theater. Shade the Changing Man, Batman Bane. No, oh, okay, all right. In the Batman Chronicles, I find it both frustrating and I, I guess I just find it frustrating how well DC does one shots in comparison to Marvel. I find that Marvel's annuals always lack the the finality. DC can put together like one-off runs where they tell a complete story that you don't need to know the beginning and you don't need to know what comes afterwards because it's a story and it's done. And that's what I really liked about this is that I felt like you can just come right in, read it, and it was a cool tale. It was good. uh, You know, good two-hour leisurely read, if you will. Not even that if you want to zoom through it. But, I mean, you can take your time, enjoy it, and that's it. Well, compare this to something that would be similar on the Marvel side, because I don't, I don't disagree with you, but you have to take two things into consideration. One, this is Elseworlds, and so mm-hmm. it's not like it exists in a larger universe, which basically untethers them from needing to tie it to a lot of stuff. You're absolutely right. Marvel's annuals have a tendency, even though they tell a, like, you know, a story, they're still connected to everything else that's currently going on in the Marvel universe, which is, you know, really almost too much sometimes. And then, you know, let, let's compare this to something that's somewhat, somewhat similar on the other Take side. Take 1602. I was just about to say 1602, yeah. The thing with 1602 is that mm-hmm. it is, for me, it was so bogged down with, like, trying to make parallels to all of the characters in the actual um, 616 or only universe that Marvel has that it, it was harder to read. Well, I, I think part of that, for me, goes back 
to the funda- fundamental difference between Marvel and DC characters. Whereas I've always kind of believed DC characters are more more rooted in Greek mythology. Not to say Marvel characters aren't, but DC characters are more archetypal. Mm-hmm. It's 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 the symbol or repre- representation of Superman, and not literally the actual character. Um, same thing with Batman. Batman all the more so. But um, you know, the thing is with a lot of these DC Elseworlds, they're like. They're all about the big concept. Like, funny enough, I was trying to find this book at the shop the other day, and I couldn't. And I came across um, Batman, The Doom That Came to Gotham, which was another uh, Mignola story. But he actually wrote it Mm -hmm. with art by uh, Troy Nixie. I mean, that one, you know, you just kind of surmise it by saying, oh, it's Batman mixed with H.P. Lovecraft. And I mean, already you get an image of what you're you're in store for. Right. This one you just simply describe it as Batman versus, versus Jack, Jack the Ripper. Ripper. Yeah. That's it. And that's how a lot of these else worlds work. Whereas with Marvel characters, they're not so much mythological archetypes as they are soap opera characters. Um, Daredevil, in and of himself, isn't quite representative of anything. Not to say he doesn't mean anything, but there's a lot of backstory that you have to get into before you can truly define the character of Daredevil or Spider-Man or or whoever. Um, So I think the whole elevator pitch concept, you know, may not necessarily work, um, you know, with um, with with uh, with Marvel characters, because, I mean, so so many of them are so damn similar to each other. In terms of their 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 milieu or their or their genre, whereas with you know DC characters, Batman straightforward is you know crime and mystery. Superman is science fiction. Wonder Woman is you know horror mythology. Uh, Green Lantern is just straight up sci-fi. So um, I feel like something, particularly the character of Batman, he lends himself well to be kind of stretched and molded and bent to fit in these different molds, and it doesn't quite work for everybody else. Yeah, I yeah. totally agree. Um, there's so much back backstory with Marvel; it's hard to take their characters out of their their context. Their context. Yeah. Yes, thank you. See, that's a much more abbreviated way. So, right. so, sixteen oh two has to be very lengthy in order to include anything more than just a handful of characters, because it needs it needs to lull you into thinking that these characters are one way to be able to present the twist to you. And, and, and I will say that's the other problem I have with reading Batman Elseworlds is that sometimes I find myself falling into that habit of, well, how do they incorporate, you know, Batman's supporting cast and his rogues gallery? Mm-hmm. And I mean, with this one, you get an, an, an allusion to the Joker and it's, um, God, I can't even pronounce the character's name, Gwynplaine. The image they show, yeah. you know, is Gwynplaine from uh, The Man Who Laughed. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, you know, the Joker is basically sort of a bluebeard murder, murderer, you know, marrying women and killing them and taking their yeah. fortunes and stuff. And that's all you get. You don't get a 1889 version of Catwoman or the Penguin. You know, the most you get is Alfred and, uh, I guess, what do they call him, Inspector Gordon. So, Inspector Gordon? That's all you really need. I agree. And, and I guess we could segue into maybe final thoughts and uh, a grade letter, but I would suggest this to anyone who is a Batman fan and anyone who is a steampunk fan and anyone um, 
who is into uh, historical fiction because it's an easy read and it's fun. Is it genius? No. Nah. Uh, is it a B minus C plus? Yeah. But I would I would pick this up again and flip through it. Probably not finish it, but I'd flip through it and read a few more pages. Oh, and I didn't mention this, but I do want to say props to the letterer. The letters in it were so unique and yet so easy to read that I, I was pretty impressed. It takes a lot for me to like notice letters and be like, oh, this I really like the font or I really like the scratch and the hand-written scratch letters that are, are readable. And none of it was like the shitty cursive that you have to squint to read. It was like, is that a Z or is that like an M? What the fuck is that? You know, like it, I thought it was pretty good. That's what, so that's my two cents. Hey, it was pretty good. C plus, B minus. <laughs> I would probably give, I would probably go with the C plus. Like I said, I mean, I read it and I thought it was pretty novel at the time and rereading it now. I can't say I was at, I was as impressed with it. I mean, I think there's been so many, you know, steampunk turn of the century interpretations of Batman. It's like, granted, this is the first one, probably the most well-known one, uh, but it's not my favorite. I I think it's okay. You know. So, yeah, C+. I'm with you, fellas. <laughs> Dave is with us. Uh, yeah, I mean the artwork's great. It's a it's a it's a novel concept, and certainly being the first of its kind, that is something to be said about that. Might not be as good now as it was back then, but it's not nearly as novel now as it was then. We've had other attempts at it. I mean, I have to compare this to Red Sun. I have to compare this to you know any of the other stuff that that you know DC has done with their Elseworlds line. Which honestly, I don't think they've taken nearly as much advantage of that as they potentially could have over the years. They killed. They. I mean, they killed it. I forgot how many years ago, um, and I don't even remember why. But I mean, it was kind of nice because you know most of my DC comics reading coming up, I, you know, what were one shots and else worlds because they didn't have. They weren't bogged down by right. continuity. Well, I and mean, if you look at anybody's like go to list of best stories in the DC universe, it's year one that takes place time out of mind from the regular continuity, right? It's a refocusing and retelling of the Batman. It's an Elseworlds book. Like, you know, I, I like Red Sun a lot and, you know, books along these lines. Or All-Star Superman or All-Star Batman. Like, these are my favorite DC stories because they don't require me to do the heavy lifting of trying to remember Silver Age and Modern Age and all the various different things that have happened or the number of times the universes have been smashed together or collided or... I can't do that. And it's not because I can't mentally process all that. I don't have the time. Image makes too many good books, right? <laughs> uh, Marvel makes a handful of really good books. And DC makes a handful of really good books. And I read some stuff on Dark Horse and some of the other smaller imprints, too. This isn't 1982. We are not in a position where you're either an Avengers fan or you're a Justice League fan. And you're, what you like and identify most with is what you go to. I would ask a lot for for much more of these. So rating this for me is about where you guys would be, a C. I think that if I were to put myself in the position of having to rate it for what it is and what it could do and does, I think I'd probably give it a higher rating than that. It aged it aged well, though. It, it is not a... Uh, you read a lot of stuff from 88 now, and uh, it doesn't read as 
easily as this did, in ain't, my opinion. Ain't no year one, though. No, I'm with you there. Let's talk about news. You hear it. Boom, ba-doom, boom, boom, ba-doom, boom. Thirst. <laughs> so, um, it was actually a pretty decent week for news. So, we found out that the Black Panther movie, who already has a really great cast of Chadwick uh, Bozeman, Michael B. Jordan, Forrest Whitaker, um, and Lupita Nyong, and Nyongo? Nyongo? Nyongo, see this movie? Um, <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, T'Challa's mom, uh, Ramonda was her name, I think? Ramonda? Something, Something like that. Um, is going to be played by Angela Bassett, who did a fantastic job in that um, American Horror Story show. And that's dope. I mean, she's an amazing actress, and it just brings more depth to this film that's already uh, pretty exciting. Yeah. So I'm I'm good for that. I can hardly wait till I get a chance to see a teaser or something. She also does a lot of uh, voice work, like voice acting for video games. Really? Yeah. She was your. I'm pretty sure she's the handler in Rainbow Six Siege, like the person, like your oracle, basically that gives you intel from from she, H- from HQ. She sounds very smart. Like when you hear her, yeah. like it, like very wizened, very. Mm-hmm. Um, like I would trust this person. Yeah, she's if she a, told me something, I would totally, I'd just believe it. Period. Yeah. Whether it was just her voice, like her, like a floating head, yep. so to speak, like in a in a an earpiece, or you saw her in person, she's. I think she carries that about. You're like, I, I believe you. Anything you say. Um, talking about unbelievable. Uh, Inhumans is has went from being a movie franchise to a TV franchise, mm-hmm. and there's going to be an IMAX premiere. And uh, as early as March 2017, which is crazy. Yeah. Um, actually, I'm reading here that it got it got pushed forward from March to September. That makes more sense uh, because the recording a lot of it, it with them IMAX cameras, yeah. so that you we're going to be able to go and watch the premiere and then certain episodes in IMAX, which is neat. Is it's something that makes me want to watch the show more than I would. Already, not to say I don't love the Inhumans because I did care for the early or the Inhuman comics. Um, what was it? Night? What was it, like two thousand ninety nine and two thousand? Just Inhumans. Yeah, where they? I think Jim Lee was drawing it at that yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I really, really like those comics um, when they had the island in the middle of the sea, the bubble thing, mm-hmm. and all that. That was cool. So this is this is going to be interesting. I don't know anything about who's playing whom or what characters are going to be. Uh, but I have high hopes. That's all, that's actually all I have because I'll be honest with you. That's, that's all I can have right now. Uh, yeah. Cause I don't know. I don't know the tone, but with the inhumans, it needs to be, I think it needs to be dark, but I guess you could do it more like a family soap opera, you know? Uh, yeah. I, because it really is a, a family thing, right? It is. It could totally be like a like a king and queen um, court jester, and it, it it doesn't have to be part of the larger Marvel universe. And they're recording a lot of these um, IMAX scenes are supposed to be for the moon shots and whatnot. That's cool. so that'd be cool. I assume they're um, filming it in Arizona. 
for, for moon purposes. Yeah. So you're a Dune guy. You're yeah. a big Dune guy, Huge right? Huge Dune guy. I think I, I, I think I whispered into the microphone two episodes ago that I fucking love Dune. Like, Dune's my shit. You're a Dune dude? I love Dune so much that I fucking hate the, uh, <laughs> the more recent... Um, Kevin J. Anderson and uh, Brian Herbert novels that they did using, and I'm using air quotes here, uh, his father's notes. There's only six Dune books. Fuck off with the rest of that. I've only read one, um, which I guess you should rip away my sci-fi badge, but I just... No, it's... They they get a little too... For someone like you, after talking about Ocean last week, that you don't like sci-fi, sometimes for the sake of sci-fi, I don't know that you could potentially... You'd probably be okay with the second and third books, but by the time we got to like four, five, six, there'd be no way you could continue. So Paramount um, abandons, abandoned or slash lost, however, you know, whatever news article you're reading, two different stories, um, but they don't have the rights anymore and Legendary plan to pick it up. And that's all we know. We don't, we don't know if they're going to move forward on something quickly. We don't know if they're going to sit on this and like try to put together a good movie. Yeah, so Legendary is actually home to all of Christopher Nolan's films, if I'm not mistaken. So, I mean, they do have some pretty decent pedigree for films that appear there. Um, and the, just and let's, let's be honest here. Just because they have the rights to it doesn't mean that they have to do a movie. I mean, they could, they could option like a Netflix-style TV show. Mm-hmm. I mean, that has not worked in the past for anything Dune, but hey, let's be honest, none of the movies have really worked out either. So right, and they are doing, you know, the they did the the Godzilla movie from a couple from last year or year before, and we are getting Kong Skull Island, like we talked about on the podcast last week, as a result of Legendary. So I mean, they do some good stuff. They also have a comic book imprint. So you're right; it, it, we don't really know. It could be anything. Let's just hope for the best because there's a there's a, a rich, fertile landscape to be tapped there. Absolutely. Um, talking about manscaping, uh, Deadpool's new uh, director is John Wick's co-director David Leicht. David Licht. David L E I T C H. Um, and he'll be directing this jam and Leicht. 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 You're German. You should know this. Fuck. Just because I'm German doesn't mean I can pronounce anything. Um, that's like saying I have to eat sausages. Well, you should. I don't. <laughs> um, but he's a stuntman turned director, which is pretty cool. Yeah. And that is definitely seen in John Wick. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna tell you that I actually know what co-directing really means. It's and usually like a second unit director that picks up scenes that the director can't do. Well. And that's still cool because John Wick from beginning to end was like one badass action scene. Yeah, John Wick was fantastic. A real good breath of fresh air in an otherwise stagnant landscape of action films, which is always so glaringly apparent. Uh, Blake and I have observed for the last couple of years a uh, time-honored tradition that we call Schwarzenvember, where we watch Schwarzenegger movies during the month of November. And you know, even if it's not November, we typically will sit down and we tend to gravitate towards watching action films. So in the last couple of months, we've seen several, and, and including but not limited to Demolition Man and Eraser, and we just don't really have that anymore. And John Wick was a, a, a nice... John Wick and Deadpool both are nice nods in that direction. Agreed. And uh, also a cool, cool little side note, um, this director also is doing The Coldest City, which is a, a, 
act, a pretty neat graphic novel, mm-hmm. and he's going to be doing Valiant's Bloodshot for Sony, which is also pretty cool. Yeah, so th- this guy is being tapped to do a lot of really neat um, comic book stuff, and I'm hoping that he blows it out of the water with Deadpool Dose. I hope so, too. And with John Wick, because I don't want John Wick 2 to not be as good as John Wick 1. Truth. Under Armour is doing Batman and Star Wars uh, Under Apparel. Under Apparel. Combat Apparel. Under Armour is like... Uh, actually, yeah, the, the combat mesh stuff. I, I guess that's probably also somewhat applicable towards the Under Armour stuff. But there's always like really aggressive names for all that really intense workout gear. They're not just um, boxers anymore. No. They're deadly boxers. Really, that's right. That's all I got for that. But I just find it humorous that... Killer dick houses. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. <laughs> oh, man. Cotton titty shields. <laughs> Come get this reinforced ass tent. Oh, man. When you need to work out, you need to work out. On that note. (laughs) And you're going to dig this because I know you will. The Dark Crystal gets a comic book Uh, sequel. Yes. And uh, what is it called? It's called like the power of the Dark Crystal. Hmm. I should do some more digging into this because when you mentioned it a moment ago... uh, when we talked about what news we'd be discussing today it was the first I've heard of it and I guess I've just kind of been unplugged for the last week because that flew right over my radar or under my radar right that's the appropriate way to say it mm-hmm. uh, flew directly under my radar and I love the Dark Crystal for what it is Simon Spurrier Kelly and Nicole Matthews so what what imprint is that on is it on Marvel Dark Horse of course interesting nope I lied it so follow follow me on this. Boom Studios. Well, that that makes I mean that does make sense, but makes maybe less sense than it being on Marvel. Um, as you know, you may not, but The Dark Crystal was a Jim Henson movie. Yep. It is owned by the Muppet Company. Disney owns the Muppets, and Disney also owns Marvel. So it seems maybe a little strange to me that maybe they they understand that Marvel isn't the right home for that. And maybe they think that Boom is. Hmm. Or maybe Dark Crystal isn't a part of the Jim Henson company and therefore isn't owned by Disney. Yeah, it might not be. I'm not sure. But I have faith in Boom um, for these kind of projects. And they have successfully done um, other kind of adaptations from um, movies and taking them into a graphic novel direction. So I think that they are prepared to be able to do that a little bit more than the big two. So, Fun fact, just found this out, that the sequel to The Dark Crystal, The Power of the Dark Crystal, as it is sometimes referred to, which it sounds like they're going to model this comic book after, is actually the failed uh, film. Um, so the, the director, Shane Abbas or somebody like that, uh, was quoted that he left the picture because no one gave a shit about what Jim Henson wanted. And I, I mean that in that he really was trying to stick to the ideas of the late, great Jim Henson. And everybody else on the project, from a producer standpoint, just wanted to make it 
unidentifiable from the rest of the schlop that's out there today. Oh, so hopefully this will be super dope and fun to read. It's got my attention. Yeah, uh, I'm definitely going to be picking it up. So a piece of Tintin art um, set a world record at an auction uh, last week. 1.55 million euros. Oh, well, it's 1.64 million duelers, American duelers, for a panel. A panel. Hmm. Was it like an unreleased panel? It's a sweet. It's a. It's a pretty sweet. Fa- it is actually a pretty sweet page. Is it in French? Um, Belgian. It. I can't tell because the bubbles are blank. Oh, so he hadn't actually gone back and probably yeah. lettered it yet. It's a. Correct me if I'm wrong, but Tintin's a Belgian comic, so it would technically be in French. Yeah, I have no clue. I'm just amazed that a piece of paper can sell for that much. Well. To be honest, but there you go. New record to set. All you people out there who want to sell their comics for lots of money, you have a new roof. <laughs> a new roof. Yep. That's the ceiling right now, guys. Shatter it. It's made of glass. Make the money you were born to make. Dreams do come true. Dreams do come true. Um, hey, you might care about this. You care about Slayer, right? I love Slayer. All right. Well, they are going to have a comic series, and I do believe that it is out. Repentless is out January 25th, Hmm. and it is done by Metalocalypse writer John Schnepp. Metalocalypse was pretty sweet. Yeah, Grandpa's Guitars. Grandpa's Guitars. Grandpa's Guitars. Is Dildos. Dildos. Grandpa's. We don't play us no Grandpa's Guitars. We don't play us no Grandpa's Guitars. Still like mad Canadian. It's hard. What, what would be what would it be like if Canadians used Swedish accents? <laughs> that. Yeah, that. Everyone would just be very it's like the two most polite countries in the world have a baby. Right, yeah. So it's it's well i probably will not read this because traditionally, although the pedigree of the writer is pretty cool, but I would probably attribute most of Metalocalypse's awesomeness to uh Brendan Smalls, who wrote all the music and also mm-hmm. was co creator on the show. Or he might even be actual just the creator on the show. Uh, and he's fantastic. But there was a... I don't know if you remember this or not, but there was a Kiss comic book. God. There was a Kiss comic book that I want to say was late 70s, early 80s. And it was like a huge deal because they actually took like a vial of blood from the members and then mixed it into the ink they printed the comics with. So all of the comics in existence have like, you know, this very small trace amount of the members of Kiss's blood in it. I could hardly wait till you're able to clone people. <laughs> and get, go, get an old Kiss comic? No, I will now for real, I'm gonna have me a Kiss army. <laughs> for real. I see what you've done there. That worked out very nicely in your favor. Touche. Uh, so I don't know. I'm a, you know I'm a Slayer fan as much as the next person who no longer listens to Slayer but did when they were in high school. Ah man, Slayer's still pretty good. I'm not saying they're not good. I'm just saying I don't listen to Carrie King. <laughs> um, but Metalocalypse, very good. Very good, absolutely. So this has a chance to be better than the Kiss <laughs> comic books I, for I, sure. I would almost guarantee it would be uh, the Kiss comic book. I want to say is on Marvel too, which is something that I've always found entertaining. You might even say I marveled at it. <laughs> There's no one here to keep Blake and I in check at the moment. So no. we're just literally 
doing whatever we want to do. Yeah, that's all the news that I have, honestly. Is it all the stuff that's fit to print, or in this case, fit to speak about in a microphone? Yes. So let's do something else. Let's play a game. This game is called I Can Do Anything Better Than You. You like that? That was my radio I, voice. I do. Is this, uh, is this similar to that song that's in the Chipmunks movie? What do you mean chipmunks? Do you mean like cl- like classic nineteen sixties? Yeah. No, 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 no. The one 50s. in the the one in the eighties where the girls and the guys both had to deliver drugs and those little dolls around the world. Oh, they weren't drugs. Great. I think they were diamonds. They were stolen diamonds, and they had yeah. to deliver these things. And they have this like like rock off between the chipmunks and the chipettes, like at the very top of like this Mayan temple or some shit. Yeah. It's There's nothing to be afraid of, boys. The fun has just begun. <laughs> Have you never seen this? Which Chipmunks movie is this? The only one that matters is when they're like going... The animated one. Yeah, yeah. They're, jet, they're jetting... Or, no. Well, not jetting. They're fucking ballooning. They're hot air ballooning. Hot yeah. air ballooning, ballooning. Ballooning around the world. And they're taking like money and diamonds to drug dealers, basically. I have never seen that. I've only seen the live action ones with Jason Lee. Oh, don't. Sorry. Don't do that yourself. Blink I didn't do the kids. Sequoia. The kids did it to me. <laughs> It was the kids. <laughs> Back to the game. This game again is called I Can Do Anything Better Than You. And it's a game where you tell me why X is better than Y. So here we go. Better villain, Dr. Doom or the Joker? Mm. I'm going to say the Joker. Mm. Because at least the Joker actually succeeds in his plans. Doctor Doom, you know, is all bluster. He's got a lot of resources and skill and technology. You'd think he'd be a far more... And then what really is his aim? I don't what? know. Doctor Doom? Yeah. It's he... to take over the world. Is it Domination. To the world? Domination. It is totally to be the greatest and best. The Joker's just a crazy thug. But he succeeds at that. Sure. But he's it's like saying that he's yeah, he, yeah, it's like saying, yeah, well, I'm the I'm the best toilet scrubber there is. So there. <laughs> listen, to anyone that listens to our podcast, it's totally okay to be a master of the custodial arts. We do not judge you. <laughs> no, but we know you're better than that. Damn, man. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying that. Obviously joking. But you're the joker. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Doc, I mean, Dr. Doom, I think on paper is pretty damn cool. But like, he's a lot of, he's a lot of, a lot of build up and like no follow through. To me, um, the real life Dr. Doom is the guy who owns Tesla. Elon <laughs> Musk. Elon Musk, I think, is going to be Dr. Doom. He's just going to make all of these like solar-powered houses, and then he's going to take all of that energy and turn into a death ray. That's what's going to happen. Against who? Whom? No, Whom? I don't know. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That wasn't even the correct well, Now I know who Doom is in this room. <laughs> I'm not an English major. Um, I don't know whoever he wants. Ford. Fuck if I know. <laughs> all right, well, here's, here's the next question. Better animal. Lassie? Or Echo the Dolphin? Uh, trick question. Because it would be the littlest hobo. Woo! <laughs> yes! <laughs> Am I gonna have to, I'm gonna have to like insert the littlest hobo theme song right here. Just grab your hat, we'll travel 
was going to see Lassie is not relevant to me whatsoever. I did not grow up with it. Uh, was Echo the Dolphin? I like that video game, but really, the best animal is Chomp. Chomp. I'm saying dog. best X or Y. I'm saying there's no, is no Lassie. A or B. Yeah, this is not like. Do you want pizza or a sandwich? And you're like, fuck you, I want Thai food. This is... <laughs> all right, this is Lassie or Echo the Dolphin? Uh, fine, Echo the Dolphin. Echo's a terrible game, so I have to give it off. Give it to Lassie off principle. There's literally no point in playing Echo. Look, all I have to say is that Echo, if turned into a TV show, would be Flipper, which is yeah. much cooler than Lassie. You put Lassie in a video game, and it's what? Well, and it's I don't know that you intended this whenever creating this question, but collies are the most intelligent dogs, mm. and uh, bottlenose dolphins um, or porpoises. There's probably a distinction there that I'm unaware of, but whatever Flipper and Echo the fuck are, they're also the most intelligent aquatic animals. So I mean, you've definitely chosen two really, really um, comparable comparable animals with a lot of pathos to humans. Uh, actually, did you know? The, the skeletal, well, the skull structure for dolphins, and and if you're looking from the, the top down, like you're looking at them like this, uh, straight ahead, the structure looks almost the exact same as looking at a human in the same direction, which is why dolphins stick their heads out of the water, because they see a lot through their sonar, right? Mm-hmm. So they will sonar pulse people on a boat and look at them and go, why are these dolphins in this thing above the water? Because to them, we, our skeletal structures look like theirs. And it fools them for a minute into thinking that there are other dolphins standing on the other side of the water. And then they, they smarter dolphins. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go with Echo. Echo sounds way more interesting. <laughs> All right, Lassie. Dave, you got me. I'm going with Echo. <laughs> I, I'm still choosing Lassie because I like a dog better than a dolphin any day. Um, I would totally have a, a pet dolphin if I could. So, I don't know. Moving on. Better drug. Caffeine or nicotine? I'm more prone to consuming caffeine than I am nicotine. If I could only, if I could consume nicotine without worrying about like it being deadly or staining your teeth or staining my teeth or making your clothes and home smell crappy. Technically, coffee does all those things. Oh, true, true. Yeah, fuck that. Coffee's way better. Caffeine for the win. Uh, the only one of those two. Well, as a, a previous smoker who cannot stand the smell of smoke now. It would never be nicotine in this instance, because even if I could get it through another source, it, it would make me sick, I feel like, since mm-hmm. I quit cold turkey. Uh, I, I think that... And the only caffeine that I consume is sweet tea and cheer wine. I fucking love those things, so mm-hmm. yet, caffeine. Caffeine. Ding, ding, correct. Uh, talking about turkeys, mm-hmm. better flyer, a turkey or Batman? Mm-hmm. Either one really fly. Yes, I'm aware of that. And a turkey is a shitty meat. You'd rather eat Batman meat? I'm not saying I'd rather eat Batman, <laughs> but I'd much rather hang out with Batman than fucking eat a turkey. Lame-ass, dumb-ass meat. Why can't Thanksgiving be about briskets or ribs? <laughs> Batman. Batman's a better flyer. Yeah, That's bullshit. A turkey has fucking wings. Yeah, but he's got a, he's got a gliding cape, man. Look, at, look, wild turkeys can kind of fly. Y'all are thinking of just the fat turkeys that you eat. Nah, throw a turkey off a roof, any turkey, including a wide turkey, wild turkey. Throw a turkey off a roof and have Batman jump off a roof, and which one's going to be okay at the bottom? Uh, the exactly. wild turkey, because Batman is a man <laughs> who could have wings that kind of glide. Yeah. 
That's but what, he what if he has the fucking cape that doesn't have the glider? Then right. he's screwed. I think he always has that cape because mm-hmm. Batman's always prepared. That's the Batman cape, yeah. I mean, he, he, he has a utility belt. He hangs out on rooftops. He's never not. All right, let me throw a curveball. Mm-hmm. All right. Turkey, Batman, Penguin, Bat Turkey. But Turkey. But Turkey. It is, it is like in the Turkey universe, but Batman. Tur- but so Turkey the Leaper? <laughs> so is, is Bat Turkey the one who goes around like. Beating up families for eating other turkeys. Yep, a sea vengeance. Yep, he is. His uh, his turkey parents were um, cooked, <laughs> cooked on Thanksgiving. Tell me, some kid, you have a dance with a slow cooker on a pale moonlight? <laughs> Revenge. Um. Yeah. <laughs> on that note, um, more stoic. The Vision or Doctor Manhattan. Dr. Manhattan. Yeah, I'm going to go with Dr. Manhattan. Yeah. Vision is almost curious in his questing for knowledge of humanity. Dr. Manhattan was a human and sees the trivial pursuits of a man. I agree with they that. They approach it from the opposite ends. Mm-hmm. So you're in Star City. Mm-hmm. You have the choice to either go to a sandwich shop or a burrito place. Where do you go? Whose city is Star City, remind me? Uh, Green Arrow? Yeah. Ollie. Lane. I was gonna say he's got a weak ass town, man. You yeah. couldn't have given me fucking Keystone or. I'm trying to remember where is Star City supposed to be in the. It's US like a San map. Diego, isn't it? No, that's coast that's coast city. that's coast city. I keep forgetting about how stupid that is. It's where Hal Jordan hangs out. Oh, uh, coast city. I think. God, I can't remember where it's supposed to be. Like in in uh, relation to everything else, because see, that's the thing. We can get that down pat. You know, I say it was a Midwestern. Let's look it up. Okay, all right. Let's look it up. Fictional populated place in California. See, I thought it was like a like a like a San Diego place. But it also says fictional populated place in Washington State. Now that would make more sense to me, in all honesty. Well, regardless, it's on the West Coast. So it's so. Let, let's say it's let's say it's Northwest because and it also depends on what version of Star City. Mm-hmm. You're going I think to. it was originally actually New York, but it was changed to the West Coast. So let's say it's 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 NorCal or the Pacific uh, Pacific Midwest, mm-hmm. not Pacific Midwest, but the uh, Pacific Northwest. The Pacific Northwest, yeah. So it's that area. I think we can all get behind that. Then I'm gonna go with sandwich. Yeah, I'm gonna go with sandwich, sandwich too. Really, I would go with burrito. Sourdough, man. No, burritos don't get good until you get like closer to San Diego. Yeah. Yeah, I've never had a burrito that's made me angry though. So I mean, neither have I. So that's that's pretty much, you know, why I'm going there. Plus, they got fresh ass avocados. Avocados are closer to me on the West Coast. I don't care where you are. Is that avocado on that sandwich? That's true. Sure can. All right, if it's avocado sandwich, then I'll go sandwich. But seriously, sourdough. Word. Right? Am I right? Plus, some hipsters be making the shit up out of a sandwich. I don't get it. They can (laughs) mixologists and sandwichologists. All right, got one more for you. A better yeller, J. Jonah Jameson or the Kingpin? Oh, J. Jonah, man, that's his. That's his bread. Yeah, Kingpin doesn't so much yell as he bellows. See, I think J. Jonah Jameson is always yelling, mm-hmm. but when the Kingpin yells, you know you're about to be dead because he'll be he'll be like talking to you very sternly. What I need you to do. Is I need you to get me that money 
But then when he yells at you for your pizza I brought you. Yeah. Remember that pizza you brought me? <laughs> you, you brought me? Remember that time you brought a pizza to Kingpin? Yeah. <laughs> Remember for what, no damn reason. Remember Mr. What, Mr. Kingpin, <laughs> I brought you a pizza. So that's good. That was the first time we have played I can do anything better than you. And uh, on that point, I would like to say thank you to our listener. We appreciate um, that your, you keep listening, Amos's mom. Even though Amos wasn't on this, you are staying um, true and supporting your son in his endeavors, and we appreciate that very much. Thanks, Amos's mom. <laughs> I'll probably cut. That. I might cut that out. I won't. I won't cut that out. But um, so you know, this was after Turkey Day, so we hope that all of you guys had a very good Turkey Day. Family is important, and we consider you family, so that means you're important. We hope you had brisket and ribs and a shitty turkey, and if you did, at least it was deep fried the hell back. I hope the turkey's back is going to come get you, that's what I hope. But uh, until next time, read a fucking comic. To the comic troupe. We're in a small room. I just got finished cleaning the fireplace. Dancing on top of the... Dancing on... I can't fucking do this.